Hello everyone, happy Sunday to everyone. My name is Pastor Emily and I am the children's pastor here at Gateway Church. And I wanted to welcome you to our Sunday morning worship. From Acts chapter nine, first nine verses. All this time, Saul was breathing down the necks of the master's disciples, out for the kill. He went to the chief priest and got arrest warrants to take to the meeting places in Damascus so that if he found anyone there belonging to the way, whether men or women, he could arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem. He set off. When he got to the outskirts of Damascus, he was suddenly dazed by a blinding flash of light. As he fell to the ground, he heard a voice, Saul, Saul. Why are you out to get me? He said, Who are you, Master? I am Jesus, the one you're hunting down. I want you to get up and enter the city. In the city, you'll be told what to do next. His companions stood there dumbstruck. They could hear the sound, but couldn't see anyone. While Saul, picking himself up off the ground, found himself stone blind. They had to take him by the hand and lead him into Damascus. He continued blind for three days. He ate nothing and drank nothing. Well, good morning, church. So excited to be with you here today. I'm looking forward as we continue in our series 242, which comes out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, that they were devoted, that they were committed to to doing life together, to breaking bread together, that they were devoted, committed to being a people of prayer. And I believe that we desire that here at Gateway as well, that we're committed, we're devoted to, to God's Word, that we become uh, desiring and, and expecting that, that if we really deeply immerse ourselves in the Word of God, that He will shape us and mold us to be exactly what He desires of each of us in our lives. They were committed to doing life together, walking that journey side by side with one another, and that we are a people of prayer, lifting up prayer requests and, and petitions as well as, as praises on behalf of ourselves and, and, and many others. The title of our message, our conversation today is Change, and we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 9. But as we begin our conversation I just want to start out by asking just a couple of questions, and that would be this. When, when you look back on your life, how will the narrative read? What will the, what will the chapters be like? Who will the, the author of, of the story uh, be as it, as it unfolds? When you look back, what, what will your life moments entail? In Scripture, I, I was reminded this week, just thinking back, but thinking about Abraham and, and Isaac and how God moved mightily in their lives. How about David and, and the giant Philistine? How about that time that, that, that Peter was in the boat with the, with the other disciples and, and he got out of the boat and, and he started to walk on water towards the Messiah? Thinking about our own lives. What will you be able to say? What will others say? say about your story. 
Mother Teresa was quoted as saying, I'm a little pencil in, in God's hands. He does the thinking and, and he does the writing. He does everything and, and sometimes it is really hard because it, it's a broken pencil and, and he has to sharpen it just a bit more. Psalm 139 says, God, you, you know me inside and out and you know every bone of my body. You know how exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were, were all spread out before you. The, the days of my life all prepared before I even began to live one day. Our conversation today tells us that there was a man by the name of Saul who was on his way to Damascus. He was on his way uh, with, with one thing in mind, to, to take out the church, to break up the koine, the, 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 the fellowship of the believers. He was the one that, that was found in, in chapter 7, if you remember from just a few conversations back, where he was found giving approval to the very ones who took the life of Stephen. Do you remember that? Do you remember that it was Saul who, who gave his consent for Stephen's death? He's actually the one who, who held the coats of the, of the ringleaders. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, Saul was right there. The scriptures tell us that Saul was right there congratulating those who, who took Stephen's life. Saul was the one that, that he was on his way to Damascus and, and his purpose was, was laser sharp. He was there to, to shut down and to take out everything that the early church represented. But if you remember just the last few conversations that we've had, Luke has been sharing with us all of the great things that have been happening in Jerusalem, the, 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 the conversions that have been taking place and the conversions and the great things that have been happening in Samaria. And how about last week when we talked about the unit that was sitting out in a carriage in a, in a chariot on a road less traveled and, and came to know Christ as his personal Lord and Savior and then was later uh, baptized. Luke has been sharing with us how the Holy Spirit has, has been moving in the hearts and lives of the multitudes and, and how God has been using Philip and, and Peter and John. So many people were seeing God on the move. But perhaps none is as unexpected of a narrative as the, the very text that, that is before us here today. Acts chapter 9 where Luke shares of the coming conversion of Saul himself. Luke will use the name Saul until Acts chapter 13, verse 9, at which point he will switch Saul's Roman name uh, to Paul. The, the change, if the name is often, is often pointed out to, to the means of conversion in, in Saul's life. But some scholarship believes that, that, that maybe Luke simply uses the name Saul when he was in his Jewish context and, and then the name Paul when he was working and witnessing in Rome. But either way, the important thing for us to remember here today is that, that his conversion represents a bridge, that, that Saul's conversion represents a, a bridge between Jew and Gentile. And this is where his life ministry would begin. Friends, God took one of the worst of the worst. And he is about to use him 
for kingdom purpose. Maybe you have heard this said before, but, but nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Amen. And if you're sitting there uh, watching this online, uh, look to those that are sitting there with you, just say amen. And those of you that are on campus, just look to somebody and just, just give them a thumbs up and just say amen. See, God created the universe, the, the very universe that we inhabit. And that's pretty impressive, if you ask me. Proverbs 3, verse 19 and 20 says that, that the Lord's wisdom founded the earth. His understanding established all, all the universe in space. The deep fountains of the earth itself were, were broken open by His knowledge, by God's knowledge, and the skies poured down rain. In the first few verses of that same chapter in Proverbs, Proverbs 3, uh, beginning with verse 1, it says, My son... Never forget the things that I taught you. If you want a long and satisfying life, closely follow my instructions. Never tire of loyalty and kindness. Hold these virtues tightly. Write them deep within your heart. If you want favor with, with both God and man and a reputation for, for good judgment and common sense, then trust the Lord completely. Trust Him completely. Don't ever trust yourself. In everything that you do, put God first. Hashtag God first. And he will direct you and, and crown your efforts with success. And it goes on and it says, don't be conceited. Sure, your own wisdom. But instead, trust in, in reverence. Reverence the, the follow the, the will of the Lord and turn your back on evil. And when you do that, then you will be given renewed health and vitality. We, we don't know of Saul's background um, with a lot of great certainty. But based on location, uh, being the fact of Tarsus, Tarsus was renowned for its intellectual influence. And there Saul was raised in a home with Jewish parents who, who were Roman citizens. The Judaism that, that, that Saul experienced would have been distinctly Hellenistic. In other words, Judaism in, in the Greek-speaking world, Jews who, who spoke Greek and had some, some extent adopted the, the Greek way of life. Greek was, was likely his everyday language, and he likely used the Septuagint, which is the, the Greek translation of the, of the Old Testament. Saul likely studied Hebrew as, as a young man and was sent to Jerusalem where he would study under the rabbis and, and those who knew forwards and backwards the, the Torah, the, the, the law of Moses. Judaism had, had long been recognized as a, as a legitimate religion and, and was treated with much respect. Jews were, were free of work obligations on the Sabbath. They were allowed to, to pay temple tax, which supported Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. They were exempt from military service. They were not required to, to sacrifice to the emperor, but they were encouraged to pray for him. Friends, Saul had a zealous faith. In other words, he was very passionate about his religious training. Look at our text there in Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Saul was breathing down the necks of the master's disciples. He went to the chief priest and he got arrest warrants to, to take to the meeting places in Damascus so that when he found people belonging to the way of the church, he could arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem. 
Friends, it would be on a road that, that saw that, that saw as an avenue that, that, that on this road to destruction, destruction of the church. It would be the very road. It would be the very road that this misguided faith would come directly and be confronted by God Himself and be instructed to receive a divinely directed faith. Oh, the, the irony of it all. That Saul is persecuting the, the, the very God that he is trying to protect. N.T. Wright says, and I quote, He was on his way to, to act for the glory of God. The glory by which he believed was, was being besmirched by these crazy followers of Jesus. Look at verse 3 and 4 of our text. He set off. He, he, he went and, and, and to the outskirts of Damascus and then he was suddenly dazed by a blinding flash of light. As he fell to the ground, he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why is it that, that you're after me? Why is it that you're out to get me? There is this double vocative, if you will, Saul, Saul. Uh, we see where, where God repeats that with a few other biblical characters in the Old Testament where, where he says, Abraham, Abraham, in Genesis chapter 22, 11, and, and Moses, Moses, in, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. I think that God is definitely after Saul's immediate attention. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul, Saul, why is it that you are after me? Will Willowman says, and I quote, Can it be that the faithful persecutor of God's enemies has become God's enemy? Suddenly, in an instant, Saul's world is, is turned upside down. There are a number of words that can describe that moment. Maybe some of them are, are terror, or, or maybe a sense of awe, of ruin, or, or glory. It would be years after the Damascus Road experience that the Apostle Paul himself would pen. These are his very words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Remember, remember that, that our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the Master. All we are is messengers, errand brothers from Jesus for you. It started when God said, Light up the darkness, and our lives filled up with light, and we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. Paul Velasque says, and I quote, rather than a, a negative, turn your back on the past. Paul received a, a positive, turn your face towards the future. He adds, we like Paul are not called to turn our backs on the past. Rather, we are to look fully at all aspects of our personal histories, to repent, to, to change our minds about the, the, the things that, that we do that run counter to the inevitability of God's grace and, and turn our face, catch this, to turn our face towards God's future, end quote. In doing this, we, like Paul, we can then enter in and, and enter into this threshold of of taking and completing the, the very things that God desires in our lives where we can be recipients of the, the very love of God and then we can go and we can, we can show the world where we reside the love of God that reflects the appreciation and the thankfulness and the grace and the mercy 
in our own lives. We call that testimony. Look, look at the latter part of verse 6 there in our text, Acts 9, 6. Saul has this question, and there's this response, and it says, I am Jesus. In John's Gospel, John 14, 6, Jesus himself says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. In John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is, who is every respect has been tempted as we are, but without sin. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all of your cares, all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The old has passed away. Turn your face towards God. Turn your face towards his future that he has for you. And then that text says that he is a new creation. Behold, the new creation has come. Saul later to be called Paul shares of his life change in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, when he says, I am so grateful, I'm so grateful to Christ Jesus for, for making me adequate to do this work. He went out on a limb, you know, entrusting me with this ministry. The only credentials that, that I brought to it were, were invective and, and witch hunts and, and much arrogance. But I was treated mercifully because I didn't know what I was doing, didn't know who I was doing it against. Grace mixed with faith and, and love poured over me and into me. And all because, all because of Jesus, the one who responded to, to Saul on that old road to Damascus when he said, I am Jesus. And then that text goes on. Here's a word that you can take to heart out of 1 Timothy. Here's Paul talking. Here's what you can take to heart and what you can depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I am proof of that. Public sinner number one of someone who could never have made it apart from sheer mercy and grace. And now he shows me off evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. Deep honor and bright glory to the king of all time. One God, immortal, invisible, ever and always. Oh yes, this God of mine. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. All the things that I thought were, were once so important are gone now for my life. Compared to the high privilege of, of knowing Christ Jesus as my master. Firsthand, everything I once thought I was going that was going for me is so insignificant. I dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by Him. I didn't want some, some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that, that comes from keeping a, a list of rules when I can get the robust kind that comes from trusting God, God's righteousness. I gave it up. I gave all that inferior stuff up so that I could know Christ personally. That I can experience his resurrection power to be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him, even unto death. 
If there was any way to, to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Look at Acts 9, verse 8 in our text. Paul, picking himself up off of the ground, found himself stoned blind. He could not physically see. His, his eyesight was removed from him. But as I was studying this text and, and reading a lot of scholarship, I began to think, I wonder what, what Saul might have been thinking inwardly. What insights did he have now that were coming from his heart and his mind from now this D Damascus Road experience? Maybe that his previous life was now under God's rebuke. Maybe he, he realized that he could not escape that, that the Jesus whose followers that, that he had been persecuting was very much alive. That there's something of this organic and indissoluble unity that exists between Christ and, and those to whom he calls his beloved. That though he believed he was only persecuting the believers of Christ, he is now realizing that he was persecuting the risen Savior himself. Look at verse 9 there in our text. It tells us that, that those that were with Saul, they had to take him by the hand and they had to physically lead him into the city, into Damascus. This man who, who had been active in, in approving uh, the witness and, and approving of the stoning of Stephen, this man who was highly educated and biblically literate, the, the, this man who had ravaged the people of the early churches is now being led by the hand like that of a child into the city. The, the number one persecutor of the church is now rendered completely helpless. Have you ever had something just grab your attention? I mean that it, that it totally had your undivided attention. What was it, friend? Did it change the, the trajectory of your life? Was it a relationship? Uh, was it a job? Was it or, or is it health issues? God has Saul's attention. Friends, God desires relationship with each and every one of us. He, he truly does. But so often, things run counter to that. Worldviews and, 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 and the culture in which we reside, the, the opinions, the, the things that are constantly bombarding our hearts and our minds. Self-centeredness runs counter to that. Pride runs counter to that. There may be someone listening to this message this morning. And you just need to know, you need to hear that, that, that God cares for you, that, that God loves you this much, that, that God outstretched his, his arms on an old rugged tree 2,000 plus years ago. He, he died on a cross for you, my friend. He shed his blood. He gave his very last breath for you. Friend, the, the stone rolled away from that tomb and, and Jesus walked out of that tomb signifying that, that even death, not even death, could keep him in the grave. And I say glory to that. The one that, that bore your sin on the cross, the, the one that walked out of the grave is the same one that says, I have come, I have come, that you may have life, that you may have life eternal. When God met Saul on the road that afternoon, Saul thought that he had it all figured out. He thought that he had it all together. 
but his life was about to change. That Damascus Road encounter was about ready, it was about to bring in Saul's life great clarity. It would become his life-defining moment. In the coming weeks, we will see how a heart that is radically changed on an old dusty road on the way to Damascus, how a, how a life completely sold out to the kingdom, to the kingdom purpose, and, and a passion to share the redemptive story will span generation after generation after generation. Friends, if God can use a man who Paul describes himself as in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, as the worst of the worst sinners, and God can use him to, to go on and write pretty much the, most of the, the New Testament, the scriptures that, that we use here today, that which shapes us and, and molds us. Imagine what God can do. Imagine what God can do for both you and I. Mark Batterson says, and I quote, There never has been and never will be anyone like you, but that isn't a, a testament to you, no. It's a testament to, to the God who, who created you. And that means that no one can worship God like you or for you. You are absolutely irreplaceable in God's grand scheme. And God is jealous for you, all of you. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to, to breaking bread and, and doing life together. They were devoted, committed to, to being a people of prayer, taking a posture of prayer. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we all say, thanks be to God. Shalom.
thank you for the space to get to gather together online virtually together. Lord, thank you for the words that we've heard this morning and the ways in which you are working in each of our lives. God, tune our ears this week to listen to your Holy Spirit and the calling that you are placing on each of our lives. Lord, we are so thankful. 